Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to stories from the village of nothing much. Like easy listening, but for fiction. I'm Catherine Nikolai. I write and read all the stories you'll hear on the village of nothing much. Audio engineering and sound design is by Bob Wittersheim. Let's take a break together. Having a soft landing for your mind, a safe, joyful place to tuck into and notice small things that feel good, it's therapeutic. It sort of primes your pump. It gets a little easier to find those things tomorrow because you practice today. If you're new here, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I write conflict-free fiction, and all of these stories started out on my Bedtime Story podcast. It's called Nothing Much Happens. Lots of listeners told me they loved the stories and they wished they could hear more than a few minutes of them, but that it sort of worked too well and they fell asleep almost instantly. When they did manage to hear the tales, many told me they helped refresh their perspective. They became more mindful and were noticeably more positive during the day. So we made this show for daytime listening a short trip to a place where kindness is commonplace, and there is space and time for just being. Now before we step into the village, let's take a deep breath in through the nose and sigh from your mouth. Nice. Let's do one more. Big inhale. And let it go. Good. Our stories today are set on the edge of winter, when you might need a bit more light and encouragement to get through to spring. We'll dip into some sweet nostalgia and warm blankets in keepsake. Then we'll venture out in fog and light, where a few stops downtown and the scent of orchids help lift a heavy heart. Finally, we'll gather with friends in Supper Club 
and tie on an apron to share in family recipes and the simple joy of home-cooked food. Keepsake. It had started as a hunt for a particular pair of socks. They were thick and warm, and I felt pretty sure they were dark gray with snowflakes on them, but I hadn't seen them in a while. They went all the way up to my knees, and when I just couldn't get my feet warm in the cold days of winter, they always did the trick. But they didn't seem to be anywhere. I went through my dresser drawers, then searched the basket of lone socks on the shelf in the laundry room, hoping that maybe they had been separated in the wash and were happily reunited, just waiting to be rolled into a ball to spend some quality time together. But they weren't there either. That led me to the hall closet, which didn't seem a likely place for them to end up, but was worth a try, and as soon as I opened the door, I fell under the spell of curiosity and nostalgia. Has this happened to you? You go up into the attic to get the extra leaf for the table, or down into the basement to bring up the giant soup pot that you only use a couple times a year. And somewhere along the way, a box catches your eye, and before you know it, you're sitting on the floor with old school papers in your hands and a fan of grainy photographs spread out around you. Sometimes you get caught. Someone comes looking for you. And all you can do is shrug your shoulders and hold up the program of a play you'd seen 20 years before and say, do you remember this? Well, that's what happened to me. Standing in the doorway of the hall closet, my chilly feet forgotten as I reached up on tiptoe to slide a shoebox off the top shelf. It wasn't labeled. I don't know why I reached for it, except that part of me must have remembered it. The lid looked like it came from a different box and didn't fit on properly. Letters and pictures were pushing their way out. Lifting it off, my face broke open in a sudden smile. Small treasures, scraps of paper, a keychain from a roadside store a thousand miles from here. It's strange how you can go years without looking at things like this mementos and scribbled notes, but then when you see them again, you remember everything about them. An envelope with a phone number scrawled across it. The smudged printing on a flyer for a concert. Movie stubs curling at the edges from the weeks they'd spent in a coat pocket before they went into the box. I could remember who that number belonged to. The telephone pole I'd tugged the flyer down from and the shoes I'd worn to that movie. Behind that first box was another, and another. I pulled them all down and carried them to my bedroom, where I could curl up with my blankets as I reminisced. I found a friendship bracelet from summer camp, and I remembered how we would knot the strings onto safety pins, and then fasten the pins to our jeans or shorts so we could pull the strings taut while we braided. It had taken five minutes to learn, and then we'd become bracelet-making machines, swapping for favorite colors and pulling out our projects as soon as dinner was eaten, braiding and nodding until we couldn't see what we were doing in the twilight. 
And then we'd probably forgotten all about it a week or two later, when we learned how to make pinch pots in the ceramic shed, or to fletch arrows, or build rock cairns out on the afternoon hikes. Young brains, I thought jealously, as I tied the bracelet awkwardly around my wrist, like magnets sweeping through a field of precious metals, collecting skills and ideas with ease. Not that my older brain wasn't capable of picking up new things. After all, who had just learned to ice skate backwards fairly reliably? Me was the answer. Maybe I was a faster learner when I was younger, but now I was a better understander. I could see things from angles I just didn't know about then. In one of the boxes, I found photos of myself as a child, blowing out five candles on a cake, standing in Grandpa's garden beside his sunflowers to show how they'd grown twice as tall as me, riding my bike without training wheels. I carried the sunflower picture into the bathroom and fitted it into the corner of the mirror, thinking that remembering my sweet young self each morning when I brushed my teeth might lead me to stay kind to her all day. Back on the bed, I flipped through pictures of my middle school years, playing in the school band, my best friend and I dressed identically as some joke, a shot of me looking out of the window of the car on our way to a summer vacation with a book forgotten in my hand. At the bottom of the stack was a small bound journal, the kind that comes with built-in pockets in the cover, which I remembered carrying with me nearly every day in high school. There were pages of poetry I didn't read them, thinking it was probably best just to remember that I liked to write it. That at the time, it had seemed terribly important and gripping and probably revolutionary. A thing that the world had never heard before. And that feeling, rather than the actual poems, was who I was then. Among the poems were lyrics from favorite songs written out in sticky blue ink. There were lines from movies and quotes that had spun my young head around. A list of places I would travel to, places I was sure I would live, and a list of all the books I'd read one summer. I flipped all the way to the pocket in the back cover of the journal. It looked empty, but when I pried it open, there were a few small, transparent bits, like ovals of wax paper. It took me a moment to recognize them, and then another to remember why I'd saved them. They were seed pods, about the size of quarters, silvery too, and with tiny round seeds still in each one. They grew on a plant called Lunaria, or sometimes called a money tree. And the pods grew beside purple flowers in the summertime and could be cut and dried by hanging them upside down somewhere. I tipped them onto my hand and felt my breath go deep with memory. They had been drying in a small potting shed on the far corner of our property, where the land dropped down toward the creek. We'd been out walking on a cool October day, as far as we could along one side of the creek, and then where a fallen tree lay across the stream, had crossed it to walk on the other side. We weren't trying to get anywhere, just spending time 
in the way of teenagers who can't get enough of it. And it had felt like no time at all. And then a sudden gust of cold wind and rain came hammering through the leaves, and we jumped from one muddy bank to another and climbed the hill back toward the house. We'd come up right behind the shed, and the rain was so heavy that we'd just pulled open the door and taken shelter inside. It had smelled like drying eucalyptus and unvarnished wood, and the rain was wonderfully loud on the tiny roof. We could see our breath in the air. And that had been my first kiss. In wet clothes, with muddy boots, under a clutch of Lunaria stems. I'd come back later to clip a few of the seed pods, and they'd stayed in the pocket, in this journal, in this box, tucked into the closet, just waiting for me to find them again. A little message from my younger self to me today about how exciting life can be, how moments can stick and warm you, years later. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu.
fog and light. A foggy day, and the streetlights, still lit from the night before, glowed in pockets of patchy yellow on the avenues. I was walking, rain boots splashing through the puddles of melting snow, on my way to my favorite coffee shop. The gray, wet weather had been laying me low, but I had a plan for lifting my spirits, and coffee was just the start of it, though an important part nonetheless. The cafe was a little funny-shaped space of bricks and old wood wedged into the front corner of a busy building. It served just a few things, teas and coffees, and on the counter there was a cake stand with wedges of cake or cookies or muffins tucked under a huge glass dome. The bell over the door rang as I stepped in, and I got in line behind a little girl wearing a red winter cap with her hand in the hand of her mother. She turned and looked up at me, mouth agape, curious with eyes wide. She was out on a school day and glimpsing the busy world of adults that she rarely saw. I smiled at her, and she turned around fast, suddenly shy. I wondered if she'd had to go to the dentist or the doctor, so missed school and now was being taken out for a treat. Her mother ordered her a hot chocolate, not too hot, and a cookie from under the glass dome. She carried her cookie purposefully to a little table in the corner and sat down waiting for her drink. She pointed out the window at a man walking a dog, calling to her mama that the dog had spots and a red collar like Kitty. Already, I was feeling better. When it was my turn to order, I asked for a simple espresso and slid down the bar to wait for it. I love lingering over a big cup of coffee or tea, but the rich taste of properly made Italian espresso could cut through any gray mood and have me imagining myself in sunny Campania on a fine spring day. And this little shop did make it properly. It was served up in a tiny white cup and saucer with barely more than three sips inside, an impossibly small spoon resting in the saucer to stir in the sugar, and beside it a small glass of fizzy mineral water. The cup had come out of a warmer, so as I lifted it to breathe in the smell, the ceramic was warm on my lip. First, just smell, with eyes closed. Then a slow sip, and let it rest on your tongue. It was dark and strong without being bitter or burnt, and I let it sink through my system and restore me. I drank down my mineral water, dropped another dollar in the tip jar, and ducked back out into the fog. And I checked in on how my plan was going. So far, so good. I'd had a cup of something delicious, and I'd watched a little girl's face when she'd seen a dog. My light was already burning brighter. The next step of my plan took me through the sodden park, with ducks swaddling across the paths, and around the tiny amphitheater, where I'd sat for summer concerts the year before, to a very special place that seemed like a miracle to find in a busy little town. It was domed and glass, 
and reminded me for a moment of the cake stand at the coffee shop. I stood and just looked for a bit, turning my head from side to side to see how the fog was clinging to the trees. How thick it seemed, like a shawl I was pulling around the park. Was I the one pulling it? I shook my head at my fanciful thoughts and pulled open the heavy glass door and let the hot, humid air hit my face and neck. This little glass building held a hundred varieties of orchids. I stood still in the entryway, closed my eyes, and breathed in the smell of warm earth and the rich vanilla scent of the blooms. I hung my coat, unneeded now on a hook by the door, and started to wind my way through the paths of flowers. The warm air felt soft in my lungs, and the colors and shapes of the orchids, their varied climbing tendrils and lush petals, pushed all thought from my head. I just looked, and tried not to touch, and enjoyed. I read their names as I moved through, and said them slowly, trying to make them stick. Mastavilia, Brasavola nodosa, Maxillaria, Vanda corellia, Psychopsis, and Rincostilis. I'd had a friend years ago who had lived a long life and was in her final years. She loved orchids, and when I would come to visit, she would show me her collection. She confessed that she'd never really mastered the art of keeping them alive past the loss of their first blooms. Oh well, she shrugged. I love them, so I just buy more, and I'll keep at it as long as I'm alive. And she had. I thought that she would have loved this place, and tried looking at the blooms for her, in her place, as if she could perceive the pleasure of it through me. I'd learned from her example and kept myself supplied with the small pleasures that made my days a bit sweeter. A tiny cup of espresso, a pair of rain boots to splash through puddles. And days like this, planned to lift a sometimes heavy heart. Leaving the conservatory, zipping up my coat in the cooler air, I noticed the fog was lifting. There was brightness, a hint of yellow in the sky above me, I slid my hands into my pockets and found in one a peppermint lip balm and in the other a tin box of cinnamon mints. So many small pleasures to dip into while we waited for the first flush of the coming spring. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time your time not just to go back to school but to come back and move forward with purdue global purdue's online university for working adults start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu Supper Club. It had started just because it takes quite a few hands to roll grape leaves. So I'd been called to a friend's house where a dozen of us spent a day cooking and rolling and chatting and eating. I'd never done it before, but by the end of the day, I was fairly competent when it came to rolling a well-formed dolma. And I'd learned about soaking the rice beforehand not cinching the roll too tightly as it needed some space to expand as it cooked, and the right mix of spices and lemony broth to make each bite well-seasoned and delicious. When we finished, we each had a large platter or baking dish full of the fruits of our labor to take home and feast on for as long as they lasted. It had gotten me thinking, how many of my friends and neighbors had foods like that? passed down through the generations, delicious and possibly a bit labor-intensive, that we could come together to make. And that's how we started our supper club. I got a dozen or so of our fellow chefs together, and we circled dates on a calendar. Once a month, we'd rotate to a different home and make a big meal, then share it. We'd teach each other our family recipes. And by the end of a year, We'd all have many newly acquired skills and taste buds. And, this was a bonus, we'd get to share a meal together on a regular basis, just like we were always saying we should. That first year, we ended up making a lot of dumplings, as it seems most every culture and culinary tradition has something like it. Some pocket of dough, steamed or boiled or fried, 
that was stuffed with yummy bits. And those bits were usually some of the most important foods for the people who made them. We made pierogies and malakofta and knishes. I'd love leveling up as we learned to shape mandu dumplings. From the simple half moon we all started with, by folding and wrapping and pinching it closed, to a slightly more complicated envelope fold, and then the showstopper, a full rose shape that had three dumplings rolled together to mimic petals in a bud. This was not something you could easily learn from a book. This was something you needed to see done in front of you. Tear explained by someone who had done it a thousand times, and even then, it simply needed to be repeated over and over to build the skill and the muscle memory necessary to do it adequately. I found myself so grateful to my friends and neighbors for sharing each process with me. And making them was quite meditative. Especially at first, I I needed to give all my attention to my fingers as I handled the wrappers and spooned the filling in. I'd hold my breath as I made the first fold, afraid that the delicate dough would tear. And sometimes it would, but we'd just start again. In the summer, we made empanadas stuffed with corn and green onions, seasoned with paprika and garlic. We made savory noodles, some with potatoes and some with a bready shell. And in the fall, we made madombi to top a comforting stew. And for dessert, susklekis, which were sweet and cinnamony. When the snow fell, we met up for an afternoon of ravioli making where I learned to roll the dough by hand with a long wooden dowel almost as big as a broomstick. As I dotted the filling onto it, I repeated a mantra I had learned from nearly a year of dumpling making. Less is more. I had been so eager at the beginning to get as much of the delicious bits into each packet that I'd split dozens of them. A little is enough, I'd tell myself. And so often it was. These flavors were concentrated, sautéed down and seasoned, and each bite would have a little bit of everything in it. It reminded me to savor rather than gulp down, to really enjoy whatever my senses were presented with and take in the details that might otherwise be missed. That first year of Supper Club had left us all with freezers full of meals ready to be enjoyed, and new skills and favorite dishes. Even when we'd worked through most of our well-loved family recipes, we felt we'd only just begun our culinary adventures. So we followed it up with a year of birthday meals. These were the dishes you wanted on your birthday, when you didn't hesitate to order up your favorites, even if they took a good bit of work. Often they held as much sentimental value as tastiness. We'd meet in the afternoon to start and dole out the jobs, and we aimed for an appetizer, a main course, and a side, and always, always a dessert. And that became my favorite part of the meal to work on and enjoy. We certainly baked cakes. (laughs) Classic chocolate or vanilla cake with sprinkles, and in the summer, a pale yellow lemon cake with raspberry filling. We also had a fair number of requests for pie blueberry and peach, and an apple dessert called a pan dowdy. It had a sweet apple filling and a layer of pastry rolled out on top, but halfway through the baking, 
we took it from the oven and broke it up and pressed down on the top crust so that the fruit would bubble up around it. This started a long discussion on crisps and pies, and we found that just as we had many versions of dumplings in our repertoire, we all had a different name for a slightly contrasting fruit dessert baked in the oven. I loved a cobbler, but wouldn't say no to a crumble or crisp, a betty or a buckle, but my favorite was a sonker, which turned out to just be a cobbler, a thing which by any other name tastes as sweet. We were nearing the end of our year of birthday meals and had to decide which direction to go in next. We would debate at our next supper whether we might cook our way through a famous cookbook or a box of handwritten recipe cards from a rummage sale. Maybe we'd try to recreate favorite dishes from places we'd traveled to or drill down on bread baking, or cook a year's worth of meals with ingredients grown in our own county. I'd be eager for my turn to host, that was for certain, to clear the counters and pass around the aprons, and for all of us to learn and savor something together. Thank you for visiting us today in the Village of Nothing Much. We'll be back next week with more small stories of ordinary magic. Till then, be gentle with yourself. Remember to play, to rest, to eat, to take deep breaths. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.